you know, a lot of people say how we are so lucky, you know, that we have this safety net that we can always fall back on if, you know, whatever that we try to do out there fails, right? You know, but, you know, what, what they don't understand is that um, along with that privilege, right, comes great expectations, right? You know, my grandfather understood this and he made it a rule that if anyone wanted to, well, had any intention to come back and join the family business, you know, uh, they must first gain enough experience uh, out there in the real world uh, before they are able to to, to, to contribute meaningfully la, to the, the company, right? You're listening to Foodie Canteen, a food podcast brought to you by Good Foodie Media. This is your host, Castle Lim. Today on the show, I have someone with me whom a lot of people may know him as the third generation creator of a friendly, fuzzy blue monster every Malaysian grew up eating. But today, he's here to share with us his side of the story, how he went from helping out with the family empire to paving his own path in retail for Gen Z's. Listen in. Hey, Vatan, welcome to the show. Hi, morning, Castle. Great to be here. Happy you are here to share your side of the story. This is going to be so exciting. How are you feeling? Good, good. Thanks for having me. It's my first time doing something like that. So yes. uh, please apologize. I would like to apologize if I may sound nervous. No, you'll be fine. So I've read so many cool articles about you. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I had to, you know, promote uh, this new venture of mine. So whatever I can do, um, you know, that can help the company, you know, will definitely do my best. I want to start from the beginning. Let's go back to Malacca. That's where you were born and raised in. How was your childhood like growing up there? Well, growing up in Malacca, you know, it was a simple life, you know, um, we, we weren't very well to do back then, you know. So for me, I went to a, a public school in Malacca. And, you know, you know, I have no regrets, you know, um, uh, you know, being sent to a, a public school because, you know, can you imagine, you know, with a name like Vuitton, right? You know, growing up in KL, the amount of bullying that I would have received. So, you know, I had a very good childhood. I had, I, I escaped, uh, you know, um, scot-free. Um, and you know, it's, it's the thing, that's the thing about like growing up in a small town, right? Nobody knew what a Vuitton was back then. Right. You know, so I had a relatively painless, uh, childhood. <laughs> you escaped of uh, school bullying about your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just can't imagine growing up in, you know, KL today, right? With a name like Vuitton. Tell us a bit about the new and old Malacca. How is it different now compared to back then? Well, Malacca is not like how it used to be, you know, back then you had large fields, beach fronts, uh, you know, these are all now replaced with buildings, you know, due to commercialization, right? So recent governments have done a good job in promoting tourism in Malacca, but, you know, um, you know, of course, before COVID, strong Malacca was booming, you know, while it's good for the state, you know, it's brought along a lot of traffic congestion, right? So for Malaccans, Obviously, you know, we, we, we're not too happy with the traffic, but, you know, it's something that we, we learn to live with, like, you know, as we share our, our state with, with, with everyone else, right? But at the end of the day, it's good for the state. 
And I ask this question to all of our, our guests this season. What are some local foods our listeners must try if they ever visit Malacca? Well, I don't think listeners need any help from me, you know. There, there are no more secrets in Malacca. You know, a simple Google search and they will know exactly what to eat in Malacca. So that's uh, the power of social media today, right? Uh, a gem will not stay hidden for too long, unfortunately. You know, um, the pandemic has caused, you know, the closure of, of many generational uh, establishments, unfortunately. You know, it's very sad. But I believe, you know, the food culture in Malacca is very strong. And I'm encouraged by new cafes and, and, and restaurant concepts that are opened by young Malaccans. So uh, I, I think they will be the ones responsible for creating the next generational um, 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 food, food, food um, establishments. Do you have any favourites? Well, of course, uh, <laughs> You know, chicken ball rice, you know, these are the, the very, of course, Nonia food as well, right? Um, so, so, so these are very, you know, they're very cliche, but, you know, they're still my favorites. When were you first exposed to business? I was exposed to business from a very, very young age, you know, um, all the way from, you know, dinner table, you know, to visits, um, uh, to my dad's office in the factory, you know. Um, yeah, so business gets discussed a lot, you know, whether it's family holidays, whether it's family lunches, dinners, you know, it's always about business, you know. So you can say that that we've all been groomed from a very young age, you know, which is, which is good. Do, do you see your life being different from your friends at school? Not really. Uh, not really. I mean, we, we led a very, very simple life, you know. Um, we don't feel like we have, uh, we are so privileged that, you know, we stand out um, when, when, when comparing ourselves versus our, 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 our schoolmates. But, you know, it's, 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 it's very, very, uh, a very simple life back in, in Malacca. And were there any expectations growing up? For sure, there are expectations, you know, that uh, you would eventually, it's a very, like, you know, traditional Chinese kind of family thing, right, where you're always expected to, to, to help out in the family business, you know, but, you know, a lot of people say how we are so lucky, you know, that we have this safety net that we can always fall back on if, you know, whatever that we try to do out there fails, right, you know, but, you know, what, what they don't understand is that um, along with that privilege, right, comes great expectations, right? You know, my grandfather understood this and he made it a rule that if anyone wanted to, well, had any intention to come back and join the family business, you know, uh, they must first gain enough experience uh, out there in the real world uh, before they are able to to, to, to contribute meaningfully la, to the, the company, right? So rather than just being parachuted in fresh from uni, um, and, and gaining zero respect. He rather us, you know, gain some experience outside um, and, and have something to contribute. Uh. So that's what we all did because, you know, um, at the end of the day, you know, we needed to be able to contribute, right? And, but mostly it's because, you know, they knew that the third generation are always known for screwing up the business, uh, right? So they wanted us to screw someone else's company up. <laughs> Rather than our own, <laughs> no, but 
it's good. I mean, I, I truly agree with my grandfather, you know, um, the only way to gain respect is if, you know, um, you know, you, you're able to bring something to the table, right. You know, you gain zero respect by being parachuted in with zero experience. And how did you handle, handle those expectations? Back then you were like 20 something and you, you're still, I mean, you've, like you said, you've been exposed to business things. You were at a young age, um, but you're still in uni studying and don't really know what you want to do for your future yet. Well, you start from the bottom, of course, you know, you, you don't, you don't come in and assume like a, a really high position, right? You know, it's always good to learn from the bottom and, and, and that's how you get better at managing those expectations because, you know, with all that experience that you've gained, you know, you get better at what you do. And that helps us manage those expectations. You spent your teenage years in Malacca, then you went on to Melbourne for school. What did you study in school? I did a double degree back in uh, Melbourne Uni. Uh, I graduated with uh, Bachelor's of Commerce and Information System. But, you know, that took five years of my life. Like, you know, if, if I have, if, if I, you know, anyone wants my advice going forward, right, you know, I would tell them, um, that, you know, they should just focus on, on one degree, you know, don't waste your time with double degrees, you know, uh, it's always better these days, right, to specialize in something rather than be a jack of all trades. And like you said, uh, your grandfather's expectation about you guys before coming into the company, you have to work someone, somewhere else first, and you did that. Um, can you share with us your experiences? As soon as I graduated, right, I spent an extra year in Melbourne to work uh, for our distributor in Australia, right? You know, so basically my job was to drive around the whole of Victoria, the state of Victoria, knocking on canteen doors, trying to convince canteen operators, right, to sell mummy monster snacks, right? You know, so I always been known as I was always known as the, 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 the mummy boy, right? The monster how, boy. How old were you that time? Oh, um, that was, oh, I, I, I believe I was about 24. Yeah, so, so yeah, that was uh, the first job that I, I, I had um, after graduating. And then um, when I came back to Malaysia, I started work with OSK Investment Bank. So I spent four years in, in OSK as a management associate, and I, I really learned a lot about the whole uh, finance industry, right? Um, and um, I must say that that really helped, uh, helped me contribute um, to, 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 to Mami when I joined it after OSK. And how did the idea to start um, your own venture, EMAT24, which we're going to talk about a lot, like how did this idea to start um, EMAT24 come about? Well, I mean, we've always had a, a, a very good working relationship with the, the, the principal of EMAT24, which is uh, Shinsege, the Shinsegei group in, in Korea. You know, we've been producing products for them for the last 12 years, you know. So this was just, um, you know, us taking the relationship to the next level, you know, by forming, uh, by, by exploring more opportunities together. But also, you know, we missed out on, on one opportunity to operate a, a major uh, a convenience store brand here in Malaysia. You know, it's just that the timing wasn't right. But, you know, when we were given this opportunity, it was like our second uh, second chance, you know, given a second chance. And it was 
an opportunity that was too good to pass this time around, you know, because, you know, the Korean wave was, was, was uh, very strong back then, still is today. You know, it was just a very good timing for us to, to explore this opportunity. Even though both of them are kind of like snacks slash food, but it's food manufacturing and retail. It's very different. And it's only been a few months since uh, the first reserve store opened in June of last year. How, how has the transition been for you? Well, it's been good. You know, obviously we opened in, at a very difficult time, right? You know, uh, where the country is still not uh, fully opened up yet. You know, we were still confined to a very limited uh, kind of like radius, right? You know, but we were forced to open anyways, and I'm glad that we did. We, we currently have 16 outlets. Um, some may say that that's really quick, right, to get from one outlet to 16 within a matter of like seven months. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that that's still slow compared to some of our, our, our peers, right? But I still feel that it's important to, to take our time, you know, to refine our offering, um, to improve our service level, picking the right locations, and most importantly, to understand the needs of our customers, you know? So once we've had a very good understanding, then I, I believe that we will have the confidence to grow more rapidly, right? So it's, it's, it's yes, it is a game on numbers, but, you know, for now it's about, you know, making sure we have the right product for the, our customers, yeah. And talking about location, how do you define and, uh, and know that this is a strategic location for your brand? I think you've got to look at the population around it, right? You know, you, you can never um, uh, neglect um, the, the, the uh, footfall, right? Potential footfall. Uh, I think that is, is very important. And next, you need to know the kind of demographics that, you know, um, you, you, you want to reach out to, right? And you need to identify areas where, you know, um, the, the, the demographics uh, are, are suitable to um, um, what, we, what we require, right? So, but definitely, you know, you need to look at population. But uh, what we realize is that, you know, um, we got to start moving further out from the city centre because, you know, people within the, the, the city centre, city center, they are just too... They just got too many options, you know. They 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 spot for choice, you know. By moving further out of the city center, you know, um, you know, we were giving people the opportunity to ex experience something new, right? Um, and and you know, perhaps frequency of visit will be a lot higher outside of KL. And, and talk about options, um, you know, like nowadays we really have so many options, whether it's physical stores, especially with the rise of online shopping, um, creating a sense of loyalty, um, and especially for your target audience, millennials and Gen Zs. It is not easy. Like, how, how are you doing that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's very tough, especially if you are trying to target uh, the, the, the young consumers, right? Um, these consumers, you know, they, they have no loyalty anymore, right? You know, loyalty is a thing of the past. These days, the young people are, are motivated by new experiences or they, 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 they are excited about new experiences. So it's very important for us to ensure that the customers get, uh, they, 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 they get exactly that, right? 
you know, as soon as they walk into our stores, right, they feel like they are being transported to another country, uh, in our example, Korea, right? You know, we want to make them feel like they are, they are, they are, they are we want them to question whether or not they are really in a convenience store or are they in a cafe or a quick service restaurant, you know? So, uh, these days, right, with anything that we try to put out there, right, we have to first ask ourselves, is this product Instagrammable or not? <laughs> wow. That's the uh, first question you ask. Yeah, yeah, because wow. if the product is not Instagrammable, right, um, people are not going to be, uh, uh, people are not going to uh, be bothered to, 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 to spread the word for you or to share this exciting experience with their friends, right? I mean, who, 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 who wants to take a picture of themselves eating just plain instant noodles and post it online? You know, they know they're not going to get enough likes because it, there's nothing exciting about that. You know, so if it's something that's Instagrammable, right? You know, customers will do the marketing for you, right? So what we find is that you need to be more customer centric these days. You know, gone are the days where uh, uh, somebody or a company like us can afford to, to, to be product-centric, where we just put the products on the shelf and expect it to sell, you know. Um, but these days, you need, there needs to be so much research that goes into understanding what customers want, you know, and then only coming up with a product that meets those needs. So that's, that's what we mean about being customer-centric. Yeah, so, so that's very important today. How, how does a day in your life look like? Like, can you give us an example of some challenges you might face and how do you handle and walk through them? Well, you know, my time is mainly spent on trying to identify new locations, visiting our stores to make sure everything's okay, and also doing a lot of food tasting. You know, probably that's the, 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 the most fun part of my, 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 my day, right? Um, you know, in, in my, my role, uh, you know, I face all kinds of challenges la, simply because, you know, I am someone with uh, very little retail experience, right? So this, this whole experience actually has been quite an, an emotional roller coaster, la, right? The ups, you know, they not, never last very long, you know, and the, the, the downs seem to last forever, Right. You know, I learn so much every day. Right. But uh, I take comfort knowing that I have my team behind me. Right. I never make any major decisions. Right. Without first checking with my team. Right. Because I hire them for a reason. Right. Because of their experience. If I'm not going to rely on, on their experience, then I might as well do everything on my own. Right. You know, so that's how we handle issues like, together. And what are your thoughts on the local convenience store scene in Malaysia? Well, of course, the, the, the local uh, convenience store scene um, needs kind of like a wake-up call, right? Um, and you know how, you know, here in Malaysia today, um, customers have regarded convenience stores as a place where they go to get emergency supplies, Right. You know, but somehow when, when, you know, they travel overseas, right, to a country that has, has a, a more mature community store industry like uh, Korea, Japan, or even Thailand, you know, that, that the mindset immediately changes, right? The first thing they want to do is they want to go and visit a convenience store, right? 
because it reminds them of food, right? The CBS industry in Malaysia may seem saturated with plenty of competition, but that's where I see an opportunity because competition is not entirely bad, right? Because we are all doing our part because we all push each other, right, to be better. And when we keep pushing each other, the only winner out of this are the customers, right? Because we are all doing our part in trying to change customers' perception towards convenience stores as a place where they go to grab food first and foremost, right? As customers start to increase their frequency of visits, right? And as the number of stores per capita catches up to some of these more mature markets, then we all stand to gain as the overall pie gets bigger and the industry thrives, right? Like what they say, a rising tide lifts all boats, you know? So that's what we're trying to do. But how can you change this Malaysian habits? Like you said, um, Malaysian has this mindset that going to the convenience store is getting, I don't know, a hundred plus, a last minute um, condom, but now you're just like, I want you to walk into EMAT24 and feel like you are in Korea and post about it on Instagram. Well, that's where innovation comes into play, right? You know, um, for us, our, 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 um, our mission is to bring affordable halal Korean street food to Malaysians, right? Um, because first of all, Korean food, there's no reason why Korean food has to be non-halal, right? You know, and there's a reason. There's there's, there's no reason why Korean food should be um, should should not be affordable, right? So that's what we are trying to bring to 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 customers, right? Um, and and the more unique, the, the 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 more unique the product offering, right? The 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 easier it is to change customers' perception, right? Because again, it all comes down to that experience. We want, as soon as they come in and they, they realize that they are experiencing something very new and unique, you know, mindsets get changed a lot easier, right? So it's up to us to continuously think about, you know, how, how to innovate and how to bring more and more exciting products that are affordable and halal to, to our customers. Actually, I can see myself changing also because um, I think probably a few weeks ago, I was going home to visit my nephew in my hometown. And then I was like, you know, he's two, or two years old. So I was like, I need to get him something to like uh, make him remember me um, and make him like me. So instead of like going to this like Kodai Rujit that I always used to go to a long time ago to get like those Apollo and like those like what Circle 8 like um, chocolate, little chocolates. Yeah, uh, yeah. I went to a local, I mean, not local, like near me, there's this Japanese convenience store. So I just went yep. and then I got this, like the most popular items, the one with like the super cool packaging. And mm. I just like, wow, I'm not going to those uh, Kodai anymore to get this Apollo, but instead I'm going to this cool Japanese convenience no store and trying to get the most trendy items that looks good with the good packaging. And I was, I was shocked and I feel like my nephew's generation, which is the Gen Z, I believe, are going to grow up so differently than compared to me as a millennial. Yeah, I mean, that's what competition does, right? You know, the, 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 like I, I, what I mentioned earlier, right? The, the more we push each other to be better, right? At the end of the day, customers like yourself, you know, you guys benefit because 
um, you know, you, you, you guys are just going to get so many options. Um, and, 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 you know, um, of course, hopefully, uh, with this, um, the next generation will also start to accept that, you know, convenience stores are now more than just a place where you go to get uh, emergency supplies. Mm. What do you think are some of the things, experiences or values you've learned from OSK or even MAMI that you're applying now in your own venture at EMAT24? Well, of course, I, 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 I learned the most uh, from my time at MAMI. You know, I spent 12 years there, right? So the, the three values that I'm bringing with me are involvement, integrity, and innovation, right? For involvement, you know, I always tell my team that, you know, we need to lead by example. You know, if you want something done right, you know, you got, your, you got to get your hands dirty. So I personally, you know, uh, go down to the stores, you know, you know, we, we, we scrub the floors, you know, we, we, we clean the windows, you know, so we do it together as a team, right? Because involvement is, is, is very, very important, right? Um, the next one is integrity. You know, integrity is important because it is the foundation of trust. Um, you know, I give, I give my, uh, my managers, right, a lot of autonomy, right? And, and, and without trust, right, it's very difficult to, 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 to give autonomy to, to uh, my heads, right? But uh, definitely, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all about building that trust uh, with, with, with my team. Um, and, and integrity is, is, is actually very, very uh, important element in that. Um, for innovation, um, you know, uh, you know, I cannot stress this enough la, that it's absolutely crucial for EMA24. Um, and if we are expected to compete with the incumbents and remain relevant to our customers, we, we definitely need to uh, be very innovative. And I'm sure uh, some of our listeners who's listening to this podcast, um, they might be interested in getting a franchise from other countries into Malaysia. Can you walk us through what is the process like? Oh, okay. Of course, the toughest part is convincing the principal that Malaysia is a place worth investing in, right? You know, um, secondly is that, um, you know, uh, as we're operating a foreign brand here, we need to make sure that we get the necessary approvals. You need to check to see what kind of approvals are, are required in order for you to conduct your business here, right? But um, you need to make sure you get approvals from local authorities to operate as, you know, of course, their goal is to protect local businesses and we totally understand that, right? But the whole process took a long time for us, you know, getting this approval. But I'm glad that we're doing everything by the books and, you know, have respect for the rule of law, right? So it's very important to, to do your 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 homework uh, to make sure that, you know, uh, you understand all the, 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 the requirements, local requirements uh, before you start, start your business. And you guys are planning to launch 300 stores across Malaysia in the next five years. I mean, now we are in the second year, so in the next four years, what are some of the challenges you are anticipating? Well, of course, um, you know, 300 stores uh, in five years uh, may seem like a very daunting task. Um, it is very challenging, you know, considering that today we are only at 16 uh, stores, right? 
Um, however, we believe in taking our time to identify the right locations uh, um, and to ensure that we have the right offerings for our customer. We are also limited by resources, right? Because, you know, we have to always remember that we are a startup. A lot of the convenience stores in Malaysia are operated by large conglomerates that have huge machineries behind them. You know, we, we're not like that. You know, um, I, I'm still like very, very surprised, you know, today that, you know, we're able to build something with just a handful of people, you know, um, and going against these guys with deep pockets, you know, and, and, and huge resources. So, so for us, we, we have to always remind ourselves that we're a startup. And once we have the right formula for success, rest assured, we will be ramping up our efforts. Do you have any advice for people? Because hearing you speak, you've been with Mummy for over a decade. And then now to go from food manufacturing into retail space, which is a totally new space for you, it takes some kind of courage. And like you said, starting as a startup all over again. Um, for people who are listening who are probably fearful to jump from their comfort space what they're familiar with into something uncomfortable maybe learning a new skill or like a new whole new industry do you have any advice for them well you know like that that's a very good question because you know i i sometimes till this day still ask myself why i i, I did it right you know i left something that's so comfortable and so established right to go into the unknown and and to try something um um, that, that I have no experience in, but at the end of the day, right. It's a leap of faith, right. It's about building my own legacy, right. You know, uh, I want to be able to tell my kids that, you know, I've, I've, I've made that very difficult decision. I've, I've gone ahead. I've, I've, I've uh, taken some risks, you know, and, and, and I, and, and I've built something on my own. Right. So, so, so that was my main um, motivation uh, for, for, for wanting to do something like this, right? But for, for anyone who, who's thinking about also um, bringing other brands from, from, from other countries, right? You must first um, understand or you must at least make sure, right, that the brand values uh, are aligned with your values, right? You have to make sure that the principle gives you the flexibility to be creative and gives you the flexibility to localize. Because if you can't localize, right, you know, uh, it's, it's, there's, you know, very little chance for success here in Malaysia, right? You need to do your homework, you know, to determine whether or not the product offering is exciting enough, you know, to be relevant over the next five years. You know, and you feel that whatever that you want to bring is just a fad or is just like, you know, a, a, a trend today, you know, then, you know, uh, it's not going to survive the next two to three years, right? So, so it's very important to, to determine whether or not this thing has legs, you know, uh, to carry you over the next five years, right? So, so that, that would be my advice to anyone who's thinking about, you know, bringing in their own brands or Vatan, thank you so much today for sharing your knowledge. I love especially what you said about legacy. I guess when you have a vision, you know what you want to be remembered for, um, made before yourself, for your friends or for your kids. Um, you will have the courage to step into a new space. And really, thank you for sharing your insights. I'm sure this is going to be super helpful for our listeners. 
No worries, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You have just listened to Foodie Canteen. This show is produced by me, your host Castle Lim, and co-written by Sulin Chang. Foodie Canteen podcast is made possible by the amazing team at Good Foodie Media. Check us out on Instagram and YouTube at Foodie Canteen for more. Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. See you next week.